Hello, my name is Elena. Hi, my name is Valerie. My name is Brooke. My name is Chris. Welcome to Love Chapel Hill. And welcome to Love Chapel Hill. And welcome to Love Chapel Hill, where our name is our mission. Where our name is our mission. To love Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus. To love Chapel Hill with the heart of Jesus. We're glad you're with us today. Hey, my name is Dr. Janie Phelps. I'm a pediatric anesthesiologist at UNC. And more importantly, I'm a member of the Love Chapel Hill advisory team for regathering. Pastor Matt asked me to give an update from the advisory team. The advisory team unanimously supports regathering. We look forward to seeing each other on May 23rd. I want to encourage everybody who has not been vaccinated yet to get vaccinated. The Friday Center is offering walk-in vaccinations. An appointment is not needed. If any member of our congregation and or Chapel Hill needs a ride, we are more than happy to provide a ride. Just contact any of the leaders within Love Chapel Hill. Part of the reason that it is now safe to regather is Orange County is leading our state with 49% of our eligible population being vaccinated. In addition to that, the positive infection rate in North Carolina now averages 4.9%. Orange County is averaging 0.8%. So we are in a very good place due to our efforts of masking and social distancing. With that being said, although we are meeting outside, we are asking that everybody wears a mask. This will protect the unvaccinated population as well as our children. Thank you so much. And we cannot wait to see everybody in person. Hi everyone, my name is Valerie and I'm from the Connections team at Love Chapel Hill. I'm here to invite you to fill out a Connect card at the link under the video or on our church's website, lovechapelhill.com. It helps us know you're out there and it helps us find ways to better connect with you. Hey y'all, we are thrilled uh, to announce today that our good friend Dominique Ficklin, who has been a core leader in the church and just such an important part of our church family for many years, uh, is stepping into the interim Quest Kids pastor role. Uh, we are thrilled about this because of who Dominique is, and we have so much confidence in her skills, in her talent, in her passions, her calling, uh, and the depth of her heart and spiritual maturity to lead on our church staff. So it is for right now an interim role, uh, and we're respecting Dominique on that, that she um, asked for that so that she could have this summer uh, just to make sure that this is the right fit for her. And so we want to uh, make sure that she has that opportunity. And um, one of the ways that we approach all of our staff roles is that we're not asking a person just to step in and to fill a role, uh, but we want the right person. And then that role takes shape around that person's unique gifts and callings. And so we are, again, we, we could not be happier about Dominique uh, stepping into this role. And she's going to share a little bit about uh, regathering with Quest Kids now. Hi, church family. I am so excited to uh, step into this interim role um, as I pray and see where God is leading my heart to um, be as a part of the staff. Um, I am super excited that we all get to regather in person. Um, looking forward to having Quest Kids together um, and uh, just to see faces again and give a little elbow or, yeah, you know, uh, maybe a high five if you're feeling comfortable with that. Um, and also if uh, you're just feeling more comfortable for your family to um, continue through gathering with us on Zoom, then we totally understand that and we're with you 100%. Um, but yeah, just wanna give a little reminder to wear a mask. We're so excited to see you and excited to see your kids and have great things planned for them. Hey, Love Chapel Hill. I am so excited uh, about our next chapter as a church as next week, May 23rd, we are gonna start regathering again at the Forest Theater. But as we transition into that uh, new era in the sense of still being able to regather again in over a year, well, we also want to affirm and support anybody that is just not ready yet to regather. And also maybe you're just unable to. We support you and we appreciate that you're able to still be with us 
uh, at least virtually. And to do that, we are going to provide a virtual service just as we have done this entire year. We, uh, we have a media team that has been meeting for several weeks trying to figure out the best way to do this in our outdoor locations. And we just found, uh, we wanted at first to do a live uh, stream. Uh, we just found that the reliability of being able to do that outdoors was just a little too much. And we wanted to make sure that everyone felt connected to the worship service. So what we are going to do, we are going to record that service just like we do now, just as you're watching today. And we will have that posted to you uh, the earliest late Sunday night, but no later than Monday by lunchtime. So we're going to have that available to you on both Facebook and YouTube, just like you're watching right now. But I'm also excited to tell you we're going to offer a Monday night at 7 p.m. watch party, just like we've been doing all year uh, on Sunday mornings. But it's going to be Monday nights at 7 p.m. Come uh, join the, the watch party host. Amanda Z's is going to host most weeks. And we would just love for you to come and uh, be a part of the church. And you can pray together, connect together, and watch the service together. But as we are excited about this great, amazing transition, and I'm so excited to see so many of you, uh, we cannot turn the page on this chapter until we say thank you for the last chapter. So I'm going to invite my friend Rudy here. So this is the first time all year that Rudy has been in front of the camera. And you guys, let me tell you, we, this, there, there's no way to say this better than I'm going to say it, or I can't say it good enough, uh, that we really could not have done this without you. So Rudy has been behind this camera all year starting all the way back to when we were filming at Matt's house in his living room. Yeah. Rudy has been behind the camera. He's been editing. He's been staying up late at night, waiting for all our videos. And um, we are just so thankful for you, Rudy. Uh, so any, anybody that has been impacted by these videos, that has heard the gospel, that has found Jesus, Rudy, your heart and your willingness to serve has played an enormous role in that, buddy. And we just want to say thank you so much. We really couldn't have done this without you. And we thank you so much. Your expertise, your love, your heart has just been so special behind the camera this entire year. And we thank you so much. Thank you, Rudy. Well, I hope that we see you next week, whether it's in person at the Forest Theater or right here in your home. But we hope to see you next week. Old things have passed away. Your love has stayed the same. Your constant grace remains the that we thought were dead are breathing in life again you cause your sun to shine on darkest nights for all that you've done we will pour out our love this will be our anthem song
you've done We will pour out our love This will be our anthem song Jesus, we love you Oh, how we Just to see you 
behold you as my King for your glory. I will do anything just to see you, to behold you as my King for your glory. I will do anything just to see you, to behold you as my King. Want to be where you are. Gotta be where you are. I want to be where you are. I gotta be where you are. I want to be where you are. I gotta be where you are. I want to be where you Gotta be where you are For your glory I will do anything Just to see you To behold you as my King For your glory I will do anything Just to see you To behold you as my King God, we want to behold you as King To behold you, Lord Jesus You are beautiful We behold you as our King, you are beautiful. We behold you as our King, you are glorious. We behold you as our King, you are wonderful. And we behold you as our King. For your glory, I will do anything just to see you, to behold you as our King. Hey, Love Chapel Hill. Here we are uh, one week before our regathering. Uh, We're going to be regathering for in-person worship together next Sunday, May 23rd on Pentecost Sunday at the Forest Theater. And we're so excited about that and so fitting that we're going to celebrate that on Pentecost Sunday, uh, the day in which the Holy Spirit is poured out on those first believers in the church is born. Uh, But I want to stop right here and say something uh, and and just say it really clearly. I know you've heard us talk about regathering over the past several weeks and a couple of months uh, and over the next couple of months to come too. Um, But I just want to say really clearly, uh, if you are not ready for in-person worship uh, and you are feeling any kind of hesitation about that, we just want to say as plainly as we can, that we support you in that. Uh, Not only do we respect that decision, but we encourage the decision that you are making and the discernment that you are making. Um, We know that there are a diversity of decisions that all of us have to make for ourselves, for the people uh, in our lives that we're thinking of and trying to put as a priority in our lives. Um, and so we are so behind you in that, okay? Uh, I also want to let you know that you aren't forgotten in the planning process. Um, I'm so proud of our teams that have been putting so much work into the, re- into the planning for regathering. And over and over again, uh, one of the priorities that keeps coming up, one of the things that keeps coming back to the surface uh, is thinking about members of our church family who are not ready yet. Uh, or members of our church family who are not able to uh, regather. 
with us. And so I just want you to know you're a priority in it. Uh, there is no pressure on you. Uh, we don't do pressure for us. It's, it's uh, low pressure, deep grace. And, uh, and that goes for this situation as well. And so we love you. And uh, when we are able to all be back together again, we're looking so forward to that. Um, but take your time. Move at your own pace. We're not in a rush. We don't rush around here. We move at a pretty slow pace. And so keep your own pace in that. We're with you. We're behind you. And when you're ready for in-person worship, we'll be here. Uh, and for as long as you want to be online, we'll be here for that too. So we love you in that, okay? All right. Uh, today is Ascension Sunday. And it's a Sunday where uh, the global church around the world, across cultures, uh, throughout centuries, uh, set this day aside and mark the celebration of the ascension of Jesus. And so it's, it's this part of the story arc of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. It's a crucial part of the whole Jesus story. And it's really important for us as disciples of Jesus to see the whole board and to see the whole story and the part that the ascension of Jesus plays in that bigger Picture. And so uh, it's a story that marks this moment um, that takes place, according to the book of Acts, we're told it takes place 40 days after Resurrection Sunday, after the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Sunday. So 40 days after that, after Jesus has appeared to his disciples multiple times uh, in this resurrected life, um, and has taught them about the kingdom of God and, and those teachings that now they're seeing through that lens of the crucifixion and the resurrection, and they're seeing in a completely new light. So 40 days after the resurrection, uh, Jesus ascends into heaven. And this is really crucial for us uh, because in this moment, the disciples themselves with their own eyes witness as Jesus ascends into heaven and takes his rightful place at the right hand of the Father to reign on the throne as King of kings, King over all forever. And that's where he is reigning right now. So it's so crucial for us to, to get that full arc of the story. Otherwise, you know, there's the question of where, where is Jesus? Like what happens after the resurrection? Does he just kind of fade away after a few appearances? No. In the full vision of his disciples, he ascends into heaven so that they know and now tell us down through the ages, the stories coming to us through the gospels, that Jesus reigns, that Jesus is the king. He has conquered sin through his death on the cross. He has conquered death through his resurrection from the grave. And he is reigning the unrivaled reign of God, Jesus, king of kings, king over all. And so that's what we're celebrating today on Ascension Sunday. Next week, we will kind of complete that arc with Pentecost Sunday. As we've said before, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on those first believers, the church is born and they are sent out, empowered to go out as the movement and mission of Jesus in this world. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to zero in today on the ascension. Uh, also, we are finishing our journey through the gospel of Matthew together. And we're in Matthew chapter 28, the last verses in the gospel of Matthew, verses 16 through 20. And so in this section is a section known as the Great Commission. Last week, we talked about the great commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And now we have the great commission. And these two are not only connected because of their similar title, obviously, uh, but also because the great commission is the logical conclusion of the great commandment. It is the overflow of the great commandment. We're going to be unpacking that together. So as we close out the Gospel of Matthew together today, uh, we're going to look at the last words of the Gospel. And Matthew, in such a fitting way, 
gives his last words of telling this story. He gives the last words to Jesus as Jesus is commissioning his disciples. So one last thing before we read this together. Uh, the Great Commission is often connected to the ascension of Jesus and is often connected to this moment of ascension. Jesus's last words and then sending out uh, his disciples. But you'll see in Matthew's account, he doesn't actually mention the ascension, uh, but that is recorded in the Gospel of Mark. It's recorded in the Gospel of Luke, and it's recorded in the book of Acts, which is written by Luke as well. Uh, and so often the Great Commission gets overlapped with the ascension uh, because Matthew portrays this as these words of sending, these words of commissioning, these words of empowering that Jesus, the reigning king, gives to his disciples and then unleashes them into the world. So let's read this together. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as we walk through this together, we're just going to go piece by piece here. Uh, and you're going to see how in this very short passage, uh, Matthew has a way of weaving all of these important, crucial themes that we've seen play out all the way throughout his gospel. Uh, we see them concentrate here. Uh, in these last words that he writes down and that he records from Jesus. So we're going to go through these together. Um, I want to start with pointing out uh, the setting here. Matthew tells us that this takes, pla takes place on a mountain. And whenever you're reading scripture, that's part of the context that you need to look at to understand that bigger picture. Uh, and the context that we get when we see a mountain in scripture, it's one of these moments where setting uh, matters. It's, it's like another character in the story. Uh, it doesn't have any dialogue, but it always has so much to say to us. And so the setting is speaking to us and giving us this layered background for what's happening in the story. Uh, and so often in scripture, a mountain is this place uh, where there is an encounter with the intense presence of God himself. We see this in the life of Moses, especially in the life of Elijah. And we've already seen in Matthew's gospel where another mountaintop experience where Jesus reveals his glory to his disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. And in that moment, he is, uh, he has Moses on one side of him and Elijah on another. So we see that connection being made again. This is a moment of in the intense presence and glory of God being revealed to his people in a special way. Uh, often people will point out that a mountain in scripture uh, is supposed to symbolize this place where heaven and earth meet each other. Uh, Justin, when he preached on the great, on the uh, transfiguration uh, several weeks back, amazing job on that. Uh, he talked about that, um, that phrase of a thin place, right? This thin place between heaven and earth and a mountain often uh, carries that symbolism. So right off the bat, we're recognizing that from the setting uh, that this is one of those moments. It says that the, the disciples worshiped him, but some doubted. What a powerful and gracious statement to put in there that even with witnessing uh, Jesus right in front of them, um, some of the disciples still carried this sense of doubt within them. And as we've always said, God is not afraid of your doubt. Be honest about the questions that you have. Um, and asking a question of God is actually an act of faith because it's the statement that says, I believe you're big enough not only just to handle this, but that you're the only one who can answer this for me. And so... Um, 
Yeah, that's a part of it. And it's, it's so gracious that this is included in there for us, for those of us who continue uh, to wrestle with that and continue to wrestle with questions. There is, there is always room in the kingdom for questions. So as it moves on then, Jesus makes this statement. He begins to speak to them and he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So when we hear that word authority, uh, automatically these connections start to be made in our minds. And all the way throughout the gospel of Matthew, this has been a key theme. He begins his gospel by uh, talking about the authority of Jesus, by writing this genealogy and telling us about the family line of Jesus and that this Jesus that he's writing about comes from the family line of Abraham and from the family line of David. And so we know from the beginning there is authority in this person that we're being told about. He's coming through that line of the Messiah that has been promised. But we're also shown in that genealogy just how this king is going to carry that authority, what he's going to do with the power that he has. Because in that genealogy, Matthew also intentionally includes several women, uh, which was not done in that day and time when you're telling the genealogy of a, of a family history. Uh, women were almost always left out of that picture, and yet they're intentionally drawn into the picture. And not just any women, but often women in that genealogy uh, who had been marginalized in the story, uh, who had experienced uh, pain and trauma in so many different ways and pushed to the edges. And Matthew tells us from the very beginning, this is a person who is coming to us full of the authority of God himself as the Messiah being born into this world. And the way he's going to carry that authority is he's not going to use it to oppress people. He's not going to use it to abuse people. He's going to use it to bring healing to people. This is the kind of king who's going to give his power away. It's so incredible for us that here on the day of ascension uh, and ascension pointing to the authority of Jesus, that he is the reigning king over all things. And ascension speaks to us. And Matthew is telling us here that this is the king who has all authority. And yet he doesn't hold that power over our heads. Instead, he plants that power in our hearts. He doesn't use it to control Instead, he uses it to empower and to fill us up and to send us out in his power. This is the kind of king who willingly gives his power away. We can trust that kind of king. So authority is this central theme that always runs through Matthew's gospel. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus gives this revolutionary teaching, uh, how does it close? But with this description of people's response and the response of the people is they were in awe. They were amazed. They were blown away by this. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority, Matthew says, and not like one of the teachers of the law. So from the beginning, we see this authority that Jesus carries, not because of a position that he holds. It's because of who he is. It's embodied authority. And yet Matthew, from the beginning, puts this in contrast to those who were seen as the religious elite, those who were seen with all of the institutional power, uh, those who saw themselves uh, as the gatekeepers and those who are uh, being controlling of other people uh, in their religious experience. Um, and, and, and he sets Jesus up against them in this way and, and shows us the contrast between these two types of ways of carrying power and of operating in that power. What does he do with his power? He gives it away. He gives it away. We're going to see that, that clash of authority all the way throughout the rest of the gospel. And again and again, Jesus demonstrates that he's the one who holds the authentic authority because of who he is. And the opposition doesn't give up until they see Jesus crucified and on a cross. And yet the resurrection and then the ascension shows us 
that even in the crucifixion, even in that full emptying of all of his power, he still is the one with the authority and he has the power to lay his life down and he has the power to pick it back up again in resurrection strength. So flowing out of that, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. And what does he do with it? He gives it away. And then here comes that next statement. And he says, therefore, go, therefore, go. His disciples and us by extension as his disciples here and now are sent out and empowered by the very authority of Jesus to go and to embody the kingdom that he has established in this world. As we keep going there, uh, he says this, therefore go and do what? As we go, make disciples. Everywhere you go, make disciples of all nations. Again, we see a key theme from throughout the gospel uh, and we see it right concentrated in this short statement that is made. Uh, remember Matthew chapter four. Remember how this began when Jesus calls his very first disciples. Uh, he calls two sets of two brothers, right? So we've got Peter and Andrew and James and John. Uh, both of them were in the fishing business, carrying on the family business. And he calls both sets of brothers away from that and to become his disciple. And what does he say with that invitation? He says to them from the beginning, come follow me and I will teach you how to fish for people. Come follow me, come into discipleship with me, and I will teach you how to fish for people, and I will commission you and send you out to make disciples. So we see right from the very beginning, the first disciples that Jesus calls, this whole picture, is concentrated in that moment. And now we see the fuller picture of it here at the very end of the book. Discipleship is always about that. It's always about walking with Jesus. It's always about having our lives oriented around the way of Jesus. It's not simply saying, yes, I agree with this certain set of beliefs. He invites us into so much more than that. Every believer must become a disciple. A disciple is a student. A disciple is a person who is consistently growing in that relationship. But a disciple is a person who is walking with him, following him, going where he goes, doing what he does and becoming like him in the process through his transforming grace and the power and the work of the Holy Spirit sanctifying us and at work within us. That's what discipleship is. It's not simply saying, yes, I agree with this. Yes, I know these facts and I can repeat them if I'm asked them on a test. It's so much more than that. It's about entering into that life of the call, come follow me, and the cost, lay down your life and pick up the cross and the commission. Now go and make disciples. We see that full scope through discipleship with Jesus in the gospel of Matthew. It's a key theme. And here it is again at the end. Every one of you is called to be not just a believer, but a disciple. And as we're told here in the Great Commission, not just a disciple, but a missionary. Every believer is a disciple and every disciple is a missionary. We've said that constantly for 10 years. We will say it till we've got no breath left not because we think it's a good idea, but because we see it so plainly laid out here that that is the full scope of Christian discipleship of what it means to follow Jesus, to be his disciple and to make disciples. Jesus goes on then and says the next step then is to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So make disciples out everywhere you go and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So what this is, is pointing us to is this uh, stepping into life with Christ uh, 
in that action and in the act of baptism, symbolizing publicly that we are stepping into the life of Christ. Uh, the act of baptism actually mirrors the pattern of the life of Jesus. We say this every time we get together down at Morgan Creek, Every time we go into that muddy water and we stand on the bank and we cheer for the people who come up out of that water uh, and then we give them wet hugs afterwards, we say this every time. And it's so crucial uh, that baptism doesn't simply symbolize like the water washing you clean. Yes, that's a part of the symbolism. But another crucial part of, of the symbolism of baptism it's this public proclamation that we surrender everything to Jesus, that we are followers of Jesus. Uh, it's an outward expression of an inward grace that has taken place in our lives. And it is saying to the world, I am stepping into the pattern of the life of Jesus. And here's how that works. Uh, when it comes time for a person to be baptized after they've made their confession of faith and after they've shared that testimony of what Jesus has done in their lives. Uh, they, as they're getting ready to be baptized, they are taken down under the water. And as they are submerged in the water, as they go under the surface of the water, they're following that pattern of Jesus of being buried with him. And that's part of the key symbolism. And as we're buried with Christ, it means that we share in his death, that the death that he died becomes our death as well, that the death that he died to bring us forgiveness of our sins, we are brought into that to share in that. We are dead to ourselves and we are dead to our old lives of sin because of the death of Jesus. We are buried with him and we share in his death. But it's not only his death that we are sharing in, as we are raised back up out of that water and we hear the bank start to cheer for us and celebrate with us in that, it's so fitting because as we come back up out of that water, as we break the surface of the water and come back out of the depths of darkness and into the glorious light, we are stepping into and sharing in the resurrection life of Jesus as well. So it's not just his death that we share in, it's also his resurrection. And we are stepping into that new life being made new through Jesus. That's what baptism symbolizes. And that's what we are all invited into as disciples of Jesus. About a year ago, uh, our friend Caroline was uh was wanting to get baptized a little bit over a year ago before uh, the pandemic hit. She was wanting to get baptized. And uh, we were talking through that process and getting ready for that to happen. Um, and then as the pandemic hit and things happened, um, that got postponed. Um, over the course of that time then, uh, Caroline joined one of our discipleship bands. And so she's now in a band with two other uh, women uh, who are part of this discipleship journey with her. As we always say, uh, it, it happens discipleship and mission in community. And so in that community uh, and that, that sharing in this discipleship journey together, um, they actually got to go into the water with Caroline and to help baptize her and to be a part of baptizing her into that. And I think it's such a beautiful picture of what the life of discipleship looks like, being formed to the pattern and the life of Jesus, sharing in his death, sharing in his life and victory, but also sharing that with the other people around us. And so we aren't just baptized into a relationship with Jesus. We're also baptized into this church-wide family. And we are in this together. This has always been a shared journey and it has always been a communal experience. That's what discipleship is. This relationship with Christ is being transformed by the Holy Spirit. It's being embraced by the Father, but it's sharing that in Christian community as we spur each other along in that. 
uh, a couple of years ago, uh, one of our friends, Ryan, uh, started coming to the church. Uh, his friend, Rachel, from the lab that they worked in together, invited him, uh, invited him to Bible study and to church and was sharing uh, the, the meaning that she's found through the life of Jesus with him. Uh, and in his curiosity and in his skepticism, uh, he was coming to Bible study and bringing incredible questions, helping all of us to grow with the questions that he asked around the table. Uh, he was a part of the church community. Uh, he started serving in the church and volunteering, even though at that point he would have said, I'm not a believer in Jesus at this point. I am not uh, crossing a line of expressing this faith in Jesus and becoming a follower of Jesus. And so um, as he's serving back at the sound booth each week, uh, as we would share communion with each other, uh, most people obviously come forward and are served communion uh, when they come forward. But then we would carry the communion bread and the cup back to the sound booth to serve those who were in the sound booth. And each time when we did that and we came around to Ryan, Ryan to express that he was not quite ready for that. And with this, this sweet respect um, that Ryan would show to that moment, he would simply, he wouldn't wave it off like this. He would simply cross his arms to say, I'm not, I'm not ready quite yet. Uh, and so that would happen Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Uh, the day came when Ryan was ready to share in that communion and to share in the death and the resurrection of Jesus uh, and to express that he had become a follower of Jesus. It was tough for him to even pinpoint the moment where he crossed any kind of line. But what he knew is that he was now a follower of Jesus and that he loved Jesus and wanted to walk with Jesus. And so to express that, he wanted to be baptized. And I will never forget the day of standing in that water with Ryan week after week after week after week during communion, watching him cross his arms as a way of saying, I'm not quite ready yet. And then that Sunday, standing with him in that water, hearing him profess this confession of faith. And then when the moment came to be baptized, you know, you know the action, you know what he did. He crossed his arms to get ready to go under the water. And it just struck me and it still does today. This symbol that meant, I'm not quite ready. I'm not quite ready. I'm not ready yet. Then turned into a symbol that said, I am all in. I am embracing the death and the life of Jesus and I am being swept up in that. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus goes on and he says, after baptizing, also teach them, teaching them to obey the commandments that I have given you. Teaching is such a core theme throughout the gospel of Matthew. Matthew puts Jesus forward as this brilliant teacher. Uh, we see these incredible parables. Of course, we see the Sermon on the Mount. In the Gospel of Matthew, we're given five separate discourses. These collections of the teachings of Jesus, five of them intentionally mirroring the five books of Moses, the Torah, uh, the revered revelation of God's word to his people. And so now in the life of Jesus, we have five collections of his teachings. And so teaching is this crucial theme, but it's not just to know the teaching, it's to actually carry it out and it's to embody it. And so how does Jesus end? Probably his most famous teaching of all the Sermon on the Mount, that famous collection of his words and wisdom. How does he end it? But with this word picture and this short parable about a house that's built on sand versus a house that's built on rock. And the house that's built on sand will not survive the storm. It will crash because of the foundation. And the house that's built on a rock can withstand any storm that comes against it because it's built on the right foundation. And he says the house that's built on sand is like the person who hears these words and does not live them out. The house that's built on the rock it's like the person who hears these words, 
who is transformed by these words and who embodies them and lives them out. There's such a stress in the Gospel of Matthew, not just on knowing Jesus's teachings, but on doing them. But here's the deal. It also moves beyond doing to being. So from knowing to doing, practicing them, living them, until you move into being, until you become this, until it becomes so natural for you that it is as simple and as natural as breathing in and breathing out. I'm praying that he will continue to shape us by his living word so that we can become his living words in this world, so that we can become those teachings, not just to know them and not just to do them, but to be. Then the final thing that Jesus says, this incredible promise that makes all of this possible and makes anything we will ever face worth it. Jesus says this, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. It's so powerful and beautiful and empowering for us. But don't miss what Matthew is doing here. How does Matthew's gospel begin? With telling the story of the arrival of Jesus, the incarnation, the birth of Jesus. And in that story, we're told that Jesus is to be given the name Jesus because of the meaning of that name. It means he will save his people from their sins. But Matthew also tells us that throughout history, Jesus will be known as another name too. He'll be known as Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. It's the promise that the book begins with, and it's the promise that the book ends with, with us always, even to the end of the world, even to the end of the age He says, it's a promise that will never run out with us in our grief, with us in our mourning, with us in our joy, with us in our growth, with us always shaping us into his people, embodying the kingdom in the world, becoming a protest against the way things are and a prophetic vision of how they can be and should be and one day will be because of the power of Jesus. So here we are. We've been talking about the Great Commission. We're celebrating the ascension of Jesus today. We're a couple of thousand years later, and here you are as the living embodiment of what Jesus teaches here. This final teaching of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, the way the whole book closes, and 2,000 years later, and you're the fulfillment of it. You are living this here and now. You are his dream and his vision becoming reality in this moment. You are the living words of the living word himself. We love coming together as a church family. We, we love that. And we have absolutely missed that, no doubt. And again, Whenever you're ready for that to happen, um, that's, we want you to move at your own pace with that. But we're looking forward uh, to when we can all be together because that's an important part of who we are as a church family. And we've realized that over this last year, how much we miss actually being with each other. We found other ways to make it happen. I'm so proud of you and for this whole church family for leaning into that. But we love that coming together part of a church family. But we also recognize that it's the going out part that has been so crucial to the Jesus movement since day one, that these are the last words of Jesus to his disciples as he sends them out empowered. It's to never forget about keeping that impulse of outward movement, to keep our hearts turned outward, not curved inward on ourselves, but turned outward towards God and towards others. We love being able to come together, but you have shown over this last year that even when we are not able to come together under one roof, nothing will ever stop the people of Jesus from going out under one commission.
and it's the commission that Jesus gives us here. The great commandment, the logical conclusion, the great commission, the logical conclusion to the great commandment that we talked about last night. This is what it looks like for the love of God and for love of others to so fill us up that it organizes our lives around this outward impulse of embodying the kingdom and carrying the kingdom within us every single place we go. Jesus is like this rock in the pond. I keep getting this image in my head. I've talked about it before, but I just keep coming back to it. Jesus is like this rock in the pond and we are the ripple effects rolling out from that. Ripple effects of redemption. His people, his church in the world reaching the ends of the earth knowing and empowered by the hope that he will be with us even to the end of the age. You unravel me with a melody You surround me
Friends, your pastoral team is here to say thank you for journeying with us over these past 14 months. Whether you're going to continue to journey with us online or we get to see you in person, know that you are empowered and equipped to go and share the good news wherever you may go. So hear this, all authority on heaven and on earth are given to you, followers of Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything the Lord has commanded. And surely he is with you always to the very end of the age. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.